0: This is the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Sharon and Eric Lopez. Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, with you here on uh, as this is our is this our first show of the new year? Yeah, it is, right? Yes. First show of 2022, Eric Lopez. Here we are. Remember back when like 20 people were like, oh, that'll happen in 2022. And and we were like, God, that's that's like forever from now. Like, and all of a sudden, here we are.
1: Here we are. And off to a doozy of a start of the year, ladies and gentlemen.
0: Oh, stop <laughs> Good it. Right. Good to talk so, to you. Oh, God. Um. All right. We, we got a lot to talk about basketball, both men's and women's. Um, And we're going to talk football. The transfer portal is heating up. By the way, we have our new transfer portal tracker on the site now. By the way, which which we've been updating continuously. But we're going to start with basketball, men's basketball in particular. Uh, a little late getting the show out because we were all at the game last night, Wednesday night against um, who the heck was it? Temple. Um, I've already see. I see. I should probably play because I have a really short memory. <laughs> um
1: it, we probably should also introduce who we got on here right now that was you kyle say nash, we were at the, the game the yeah game.
0: yes kyle nash the student of the game who covers ucf basketball joins us here in the first segment and uh uh kyle how are you happy new year
2: hey, to you gentlemen as well i love the short memory reference that is definitely the something that comes up in my article writing up the temple game Bing! Thanks yeah. for the opportunity for the uh the plug there, as well as the tracker. I, I I wasn't introduced yet, so I couldn't officially ping that yet as well because,
0: no. <laughs> All right, well, you're, here, you're covering basketball for us, and the last time we talked, wow, we were so happy about the Michigan game, 85-71 win over the Wolverines to end 2021, and since then, uh-oh, Sunday, 12-point loss at SMU and Moody Coliseum. Okay, last night, the loss to Temple, um, sixty-six, sixty-two in a game where UCF had this thing in their grasp in the final minute and lost it. Um, the uh, I mean, I can go over the stats from here to from here to eternity, but uh, you know, Temple shot. Uh, let's see, what, what did they shoot? Forty-seven percent for the game. Held UCF to thirty-nine. Um, in addition, two nights in double figures. Darius Perry with fourteen plus four assists and three rebounds. And 12-5 rebounds and three blocks, but uh, uh, UCF particularly in the well, I mean they actually shot better in the second half than in the first half, but not all that much better, um, and uh, and kind of had a breakdown there in the final uh, in the final minutes, or rather in the final minute where yeah you know, they had the lead. First of all, you know, I mean you could say you know let's let's just get this out of the way first, right? They they shouldn't have let Temple hang around as long as they did. Um, but you know, nonetheless, you know, it's still a conference game. You know, your you're, you're Temple's shorthanded, no head coach, right? Aaron McKee was not there. They were missing a few key players. But you know, let's give Temple some credit. They were they they were hanging around. But UCF had a sixty-two fifty-eight lead after Brandon Mayhan made his second consecutive three. He was scoreless up until that point. Right. Hit two consecutive threes late in the second half uh, in that in about a minute span to put UCF up 62-58 with 128 to go. And then all of a sudden, Temple starts hitting shots and UCF stops. Zach Hicks hits a three to cut it to one. Um, and then a, uh, a, a shocking uh, jump ball turnover um, where it, what, a lot of fans were really upset about the call. I actually thought it was a good call. Um, where Ty Freeman kind of got caught protecting, you know, kind of putting himself in a fetal position with the ball. And I don't know who it was for, I think it was Nick Jourdain for Temple, kind of came in, put his hands on the ball, forced to, forced the held ball, and the possession arrow gave the ball to Temple. And then Damian Dunn uh, hits a three to put Temple up two with seven seconds to go. Uh, The late turnover by Darius Perry, who I I don't know if I couldn't see if he dribbled it off his foot or what, but
2: post game, he said he dribbled it off his foot
0: off his foot. Yeah. And then and bang, just like that, you've lost two straight games in conference. Um, Let's start before we zoom out here and Eric can talk about why, you know, everything has gone to hell in a handbasket, which he seems pretty good at. um, Mm -hmm. You give us your evaluation of what the heck happened here?
2: Well, it, it's one of those things where as I'm watching it, and because I'm new at covering basketball comparatively, you know, I, I was kind of doubting, like, is it me or do they look kind of sluggish? You know, I, I saw certain things that, you know, a, a UCF team more, normally moves to the ball here. Normally this happens. I mean, okay, they gave up a, through a, a few open Uh, three-pointers in the corner, that's something that has kind of been an issue for them throughout the season. I wasn't going to panic over that. You know, as it stood, Temple only made six for 20. It wasn't necessarily what sunk the ship. But when I'm seeing stats that back it, when they're fouling to the point where they're double bonus in the second half, which is kind of an indicator of sluggish movement if you're fouling. It means you're not there. It means you're trying to stop a score because you didn't successfully defend it. And then Darius Perry himself, which Credit to this young man coming out and talking to the media after this game with the poise that he did. I was thoroughly impressed and he did an excellent job. I want to give him that credit. But when he himself said that we fouled too much and the defense was a little slow, I I was then justified in what I was seeing, right? Um, as a matter of fact, you mentioned the shot, the, the shooting not being quite as good in the The first uh, half there, Jeff, Uh, part of what kept UCF to where they ended up with a one point lead at the half was that Temple themselves went into bonus. Right. So there was a situation where they were taking advantage. They didn't get to the free throw line enough in the first half. They got the bonus to get them right. And as it stands, they only finished with 14 shots on the game where they had 10 at the half. That's one of the things we wanted to see improve from the SMU game, right? Now, we got the assist situation worked out. There was a lot more motion mm-hmm. on offense. Um, probably been a sh- should have been a few more shots that were hit. And listen, why I know that there's plenty from the, uh, how you say, uh, e- echelon and upper echelon and standings perspective that's difficult. On the stat sheet, there's a lot of good here, right? You had the depth you like to see, Zhang in, uh, under, underneath, Perry in the perimeter with your double digits. That's the kind of varied scoring that UCF actually has not two guys dominating the scoring as you saw in the Michigan game. You know, it's, it's it's the kind of thing where this is what UCF is offensively. 39% isn't a great percentage, but it's they've won with that kind of thing before against decent teams. It's that whole, they, being sluggish on defense, Temple shooting forty-seven percent is insane. You know, Coach Dawkins himself even commented that. And then they're also down Strickland and Vorster. That's that's along with the coaches you mentioned. That's not something. That that's not even
1: done. including Battle, who's been out for the year with the knee injury. Who's an All-Conference performer for Temple? Yeah,
2: right. Yeah. Because he's been out so long. That chip for me kind of has sailed because they're kind of used to him being out. But that is a good point, Eric.
0: It's yeah, just, and and, and he, I mean he wasn't there for the first game in December anyway, so.
2: Right, right, right. Yeah, but um, uh, listen, there was like I said, there was a lot of good. And while C.J. Walker only had seven points, I mean, nine rebounds. The big men did their job. You're noticing uh, uh, Jamil Reynolds getting in there too. They got a good rotation underneath. But the uh, you know, I'm not I'm not gonna sit here and say that say that Brandon May had had a bad game. He didn't necessarily shoot that bad, but him arriving so late to the party, I wonder if if that's an issue of the scheme they were playing against or i I don't know what people are pointing to that i'm not so quick to say that that's a bad thing per se um but when it comes right down to it defensively the the thing that jumps off the page is temple got to the free throw line you know 16 times and shot 47 percent that you know if if they're getting that many easy looks or or a good shot choice you know Then something's wrong on defense, as we talked about.
0: Yeah. I think you were right about how the plot of the game, especially with the fouls early, you know, put Temple, you know, on the line a lot. Yeah. I think we were, I think UCF was, or Temple was in the bonus with like 14 minutes to go in the second half.
2: Yeah. And they ended up in double bonus before it was all over.
0: Right. So 12 fouls
2: uh, in the second half by my count.
0: All right. So so the, so the reaction, obviously, after this loss has been, oh my God, the season's over, which it's not. (laughs) Okay. Now, let's let's establish some facts here. This is not a good loss, okay? UCF right now stands at nine and four overall, one and two in the conference, tied for sixth with Temple. By the way, that was Temple's first win in the conference season. Houston and SMU were two and zero. Oh. SMU's won eight in a row, by the way. Wow. So let's give them let's give them some credit. Um this was a Temple team that uh, I think I had it. I think I had it right here in. Uh, oh yeah, uh, on a tweet. So uh, according to Ken Palm, Temple's ranking now is 128th. Not not ideal. All right, <laughs> but Eric, why is it that we're everyone is freaking out about this loss when we still have 14 conference games to go? because this goes down as
1: the worst loss in the Johnny Dawkins era. That's why. This is a uh, disagree. Loss. Disagree. And disagree. Fi- find me a worse loss. Find me a loss where you lose to a I'll team t- that was shorthanded. I t- t- tell you, head coach is probably only going to win four. Which one? I'll give you
0: one. 2018-19, the year that UCF came within an eyelash of beating Duke, they lost to FAU who was 162nd. That was at, like two games into at the season. Home, it's a non at home they lost that game. And that was two games into the
1: season. Teams lose bad games early in the years. They figure themselves out. Not in is January. This not your short. No, no, it's not. No, it's not. See, that's a misconception. We're not early because here's the problem. This is not a. We're not in a normal season anymore. Here, we don't know how many games are left in the season. There, we just lost a game postponed this right. Saturday, Saturday. Saturday's game was Tulsa. been postponed, not canceled. Postponed. But I'm telling you, it's gonna be hard to reschedule games this year. The way the schedule is panned out, and this won't be the last time we're gonna have this conversation. But we a don't know that. I'm pretty confident. Like, there's no way. Like we're in, yeah, you know, it's miserable. It's a miserable time in society in general in the world. But anyway, nonetheless, not in a great time to get to lose a bad game. This is like a golf tournament. You wanna to avoid when you don't know what your rest of your season looks like, you can't avoid to have a terrible loss at home. In a conference, in a year where the league is down, this league is eighth or ninth at best, and Temple is going to be bad. Like they're going to be worse than that figure. Here's the problem: just from that loss alone, UCF dropped from 48 to 64. Wow! In the net rankings, that is a massive drop. You just basically wiped out your Michigan win. That's what you just did with that, and. The disturbing thing, like the SMU loss, SMU is good, to your point. Kendrick Davis is going to play at the next level. They're a top team. I'm not bothered by that, but there's a there's a disturbing trend in the, in the SMU game and the Temple game. This team does not close out half halves well in these two games. Remember in the SMU game Sunday, they were up seven with about three minutes to go in the first half. Kendrick Davis goes to the bench with two fouls. SMU ends the half on a 10-0 run to go up three. Mm -hmm. second late in the last five minutes of the second half smu game there was a five-point game anybody's game smu pulls away outscores them by seven they win by 12 Temple game you both were there i believe and you guys can correct me on this uh because i don't remember the clock situation but i think there was about two minutes three minutes left ucf was up eight and late in the first half temple makes that run at the end of the half to cut it within two i believe uh, to go to the locker room, correct?
2: I mean, at one point, even at, at, at the, the time you're talking about is correct. But at one point, even they were up by 11 in the second half, earlier on in the, in the period. Three, okay. three
0: and a half to go before halftime. UCF right. was up 30 to 22, and then yeah. and Temple scored seven in a row to close out the half.
1: Correct. And then in the second half, there, I think UCF also had was starting to pull away and couldn't. Temple makes a run, goes up a couple of baskets, and then Mayhem hits a couple threes. You're up four with a minute, and you can't hold on. You can They're not closing halves well. That is so pivotal in college basketball. Well, they, they, and were, up ele- they were up the eleven with thirteen.
0: It was a thirteen. Yeah. It was an eleven-point game with thirteen minutes left. Right. That was yeah. about the time that Temple went into the bonus. By the way.
2: Right.
1: But it's the, it's a short-handed Temple team. You got to put them away. Put them away. Like you're playing with fire by leaving them in the game. And the thing that's, dis- that's concerning is this team is who they are. They are inconsistent. This is who Brandon Mayhem is, inconsistent. He could score 20, 25 points and a half against Michigan and score zero for 38 minutes against Temple. He's in Darius Perry, could be inconsistent. In fact, Johnny Dawkins even acknowledged on the post game on Wednesday saying, we need more consistency from the perimeter
0: need more consistency from our perimeter guys in general. I mean, just to have those guys, you know, night in, night out, kind of have an idea of who they are because, you know, they can be, you know, so good, and uh, what, you, what we want to see, though, we want to see that, you know, almost nights, and uh, tonight was one of those nights where, uh, you know, our perimeter players really, I mean, you didn't feel them out there until Brandon, you know, made those shots at the end. And you know, our offense and our system is designed for those guys to to thrive and and, and to be a little more, you know, aggressive and, and to make plays. That's Johnny Dawkins uh, talking post game. Go ahead, Kyle.
2: Yeah, no. And while all that's accurate, and obviously, I'm not going to argue with the coach on that. Let, let, let's keep in mind that a while back, mayhan not getting big numbers was more because the team had depth. I think where the problems really coming into play is there's just moments where they are sluggish, where they weren't. Sure, shooting's always going to be inconsistent. We don't have guys that are necessarily known for being snipers. That's not this team. But at the end of the day, and Darius Perry said it himself, I mean, not <laughs> Coach Dawkins said it, we all hear that, but Darius, when the point guard coach and the point guard are saying the same thing, it only adds the weight, right? So Perry mentions the the energy, they need to find that, <clears throat> excuse me, over the next week going into the Memphis game. And when I hear them saying that, that's when this inconsistency is really what comes into play. The one thing they've not been consistent on is playing defense. And Eric, to your point about closing games, heck, we were having the conversation with Johnny Dawkins game about closing games at the beginning of the season. And it looks like they shed it when they staved off Jacksonville. Like this is how, this is how far back we're talking about. University of Jacksonville who pulled an excellent three point shooting uh, percentage out of, out of the sky to keep a game closer than it should have been, but they closed out strong. What's the only other game you could think of. They closed out big. Yeah. That Michigan thing. I know it was so great. I had trouble putting it into words, but Name another game where they finished strong, gentlemen. I cannot find
1: it for you. I think Miami. Oh no well, no,
0: they didn't finish strong in the Miami game. They kind of let him back in at the end of that one. That's true. Correct.
1: No, Miami let him come back. Right.
0: Yeah. Um, that's the
1: concern. That's a great point, Kyle. That's a great point. I, I, I'll I'll put that's the thing that's concerning
0: is I don't
1: know. I don't think. Yeah. Go ahead.
0: I was going to say I'll put one thing out there that I think is is kind of the issue that I was seeing at times is. What did Coach Dawkins say at the very beginning of the season was the big key, and he's actually emphasized this during the season too. He said it was shot selection. Yes. Right? I think well, Taylor kind of, Young
1: told us that on the show.
0: And, and Taylor Young emphasized it too. Um, I think we're kind the last these last two games, we've kind of ping-ponged back and forth a little bit. So in the SMU game, I thought that and you brought this up Eric that shot selection was a problem because how many assists did UCF has, have as a team 5, Five yeah. the whole game 5 right all right so and we had two guys who in Mayhan and Perry who shot a who took a combined 30 of the 62 shots in that game last night against s uh, uh, not against SMU against uh Temple I'm pulling up the box score right now you had let's see, Perry took fourteen, but you had one, two, three, four, five guys take seven shots or more. Now the thing that I was seeing was tentativeness on offense. All right, I think that they were they were they were so spooked by what happened against SMU, where they were where you, your two alpha dogs were so decisive and it didn't work out, that they were like, okay, let's work a little bit more on distributing the shots a little bit more evenly. So that's why you had, you know, Isaiah had seven shots, Mahan had six, um, uh, Walker with eight, Green with nine, uh, Mbake with seven, and then Darius had 14. But they were trying so hard to do the right thing that nobody was decisive and i think it happened it, it happened throughout. like even jamil reynolds who only attempted four shots like he would get some good looks underneath i thought when uh when Zhang was on the bench with with foul trouble and he would he would get the ball in good position but pump fake too many times like go up there hey, and shoot the ball son you know I mean, i'm mean? i like
2: get up yeah, there yeah it's like
0: <laughs> I, I think and i think that was pervasive i think they try they were trying too hard to do the opposite of what they did in the previous game against SMU, and, it, and, the, and the, the pendulum swung back the other way. So I think they're trying to – they still have yet to find that groove on offense where they're, still, they're taking the right shots and they're going in. Am I that's wrong about this? A, that's
2: a good concept uh, that you're following. One thing I can add that might confirm it a little, Jeff, is when I talked to him Tuesday before the game, we talked to Darren Green, we talked to uh and and we talked to Coach. And all three of them cited the five assists not being UCF basketball. Mm -hmm. So we can tell clearly what the corporate message was uh, in that particular piece. And in this
0: game, they had 23 baskets on 12 assists, which is a pretty good ratio, a much better ratio than before. But still, here we are sitting with the same result, right?
2: Yeah. And and when you look at individuals, you know, Liz, I'm taking Zhang out of it because, I mean, the dude was four for seven and went to the foul
0: line twice. Oh, he's been fantastic. He's been fantastic. He's been been the most consistent player on both ends of the floor.
2: Right. Yeah. So we're going to put him off on a little box, you know, that that doesn't really fall with that. But, yeah, I mean, you know, you look at the rest of the starters here, you know, whether it be Perry, Mahan, Walker or or, or Green, that's not exactly what you want to see as as an overall field goal percentage in general. And of the remaining players, Walker got to the free throw line four times, and no one else. So, yeah. you know, yeah,
0: yeah, and, and then the other thing—I mean, like we thing. saw, they, they were—and in that second half against Michigan, what did we see? We saw decisive shot selection. Well, we saw, thats what on. happens when you're when you're eight for eight from three point range in the second half. Like it would it, when when Brandon was open, he was taking the shot. When Darren was open, he was taking the shot, and 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 this stage, and I think we also have to give, you know, we can say it's this is UCS 12, all we want. Let's give some credit to Temple because sure. they played excellent, hard nosed defense in, and I was watching it at the floor level. Um, they were switching extraordinarily well in that, especially in that second half. Their guards are annoying as hell on mm-hmm. defense, and. And, and and it was kind of like old school temple ball i think that they were playing with a little bit of fire under their rear end because they had guys out sure you know and i and 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 that's kind of that's kind of we talked about this before the show the sort of the psychology of athletics right when you're missing guys it's like you know kind of the the remaining group is like okay we need to rally around each other and i think they did it to temple's credit they did a very good job of that that was a and they played like I was telling um, somebody I was sitting next to on presser. I was like, temple plays basketball, like your classic Northeastern basketball team, (laughs) right? Very hard nosed on defense. They were, they were trying to break UCF's defense down inside 15 feet constantly. And they did a very good job of that. And then that opened up the outside shooting for, for later in the game, as we unfortunately found out, um, but let's give let's give Tempo a little bit of credit too because those guys are on scholarship also. Yeah. And um, But again, but, if you close
1: them out, we're not having this conversation.
0: And okay, again, but, may, it, but
1: everything they, you They said also is have said, to somewhat allow you to close them out. And they didn't do that. Uh, and I think you see helped, and I think that's the problem. This you don't know what we're getting on a uh, a game to game on half to half. I mean, look, I remember doing the night shift with Drew after the Michigan game. And to Drew's credit, I will give him credit he said look I'm not going to get super excited about this victory until I see more consistency from Brandon Mayhem and that's the problem is we that's what's so frustrating that's why I think a lot of the fan base is frustrated because we see the potential of this team right we see the potential of this team and when they could play at the highest level but it's just not consistent and I think quite frankly uh, Drew's skeptical and I have to be skeptical moving forward on I don't, I, I don't trust this team to put it together for 10 games in a row. Why should I? There's Man, no evidence know, that they've ever done that.
0: All I know is that we've had this conversation year after year. We were saying the same things three years ago. No, we didn't. No, 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 we yes, didn't. Yes, we did. All,
1: the, no, we didn't. Here's the difference. Here's the difference. In 19, you had a top 25 defense in the country. In fact, top 10, depending on which categories you were looking at. This defense is not as good as that. They're 79th in defense efficiency. They're not a dominant defense. They're an average to decent good defense. Offensively, that 19 team, you knew what you were getting from B.J. Taylor and Aubrey Dawkins. They knew their roles. I'm not sure this team knows their roles necessarily from the standpoint, for example, Isaiah Adams has just not been able to find a rhythm all year off the bench or starting. He hasn't been as good as last year. Brandon Mayhem comes and goes. Darius Perry comes and goes. Sometimes in basketball, depth is a problem because too many, bill- there's only one basketball it doesn't matter. And sometimes you can have too much depth. And I wonder in this team, I don't know if, if these guys are comfortable on a game to game basis. I don't know what it is, but this team is not consistent. That's period. That that's We have enough evidence now over two years, especially with Mayhem and Perry, who are your two seniors who handle the ball a lot
0: are not consistent players, period. Kyle, are we applying too much of the football fan mindset to basketball right now? Because Eric Eric said something just now that kind of worries me a little bit. He's saying, these players don't know their roles. It's January 6th. That happens. You should over have your roles. Of the no. It, the the 19 team, they didn't understand just, their roles. I thought until the last week of the season when they went into Houston and beat, dis- beat the oh, I disagree on with that. At.
1: No. Yeah. No, no, no. They knew their team before that. As
2: I much think as that's I'd way off base. As much as I'd love to see a lightsaber duel here, gentlemen, there's aspects of both of <laughs> you being correct. And and Giving here's what it yourself away is. there. <laughs> um the 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 the, the roles as it was advertised, even going back to Hoops Media Day, gentlemen, wasn't that there the, the roles weren't defined? The roles given to us were flexibility, right? This team is so deep; I could change the starting five if I need to, based on the op- opponent. Says Coach Dawkins, right? Anybody remember that statement? Right. That's we weren't supposed to necessarily see a starting five that was the same starting five every night. And for a while, you know, maybe Bakay wouldn't be in the starting five. Maybe, um, who's someone, uh, maybe-
0: Well, uh, I, I say, Isaiah started the mission game, remember?
2: There you go. Okay, right. perfect. So right. with all of that in mind, a lack of definition to the roles could potentially set up a situation where they don't know what their roles are. But I think the problem stems from this. It's, people started asking the question- uh, can they do what they did in Michigan? That's the part that Drew got right. It's natural to ask that question. Here's where Drew has to put the pipe down. This team was not designed <laughs> to be... He's
1: not even defending himself in this segment here. No, Come on.
2: I defended... I, listen, I'm doing a little of both. He's right from one aspect. Right. And, and the other part is where he... And I think you a little bit... May, maybe it's not so much you're hitting the pipe as you need some weed to relax. I don't know which it is, but... <laughs> The, the part that the, the problem air quotes with doing so good at the Michigan game is that they performed in a way that this team was not built to, to do. Who the hell relies on eight and eight for three and two guys. E-
1: yeah, no teams don't shoot. And you did a great job recapping that shooting a ball over 70%. Uh, I thought your recap of the Michigan game was perfect. And it was funny because I had people reach out to me. It's like, what is Kyle taught? Why isn't Kyle give this credit and this credit? I'm like, dude, we let's not oversimplify this stuff it's just a you, you know you make or miss you sport have, you, you
0: can't rely on a Villanova second half all the time right
1: every time An 85 Villanova and, and,
0: second half right and,
1: and, and, my, right exactly and I think you nailed it on the head here's the problem defensively I want to mention this because coach Dawkins mentioned this uh to me after the SMU game and he brought this up again in the in the temple game and it cost him in that last two possessions double penetration they're giving up too much penetration defensively and then it allows the offense to shoot it to kick it out and that's something that they're having trouble with right now they're not on in front of the basketball their backcourt is not guarding as well and you and as you know you know you got some bigs inside teams you know kendrick davis even tempo, we saw having success drive to the basket and either shoot the layup or kick it out for the three, like the game winner. That's a problem with this defense. There's flaws here on this team. Can they fix it? Yeah, but can they be consistent? I don't know. And you look at their stretch now; they're one and two in the league. You're going to host Memphis, who I don't know what to expect from Memphis, but we know this: they're the most talented team in the in the league. We just right. don't know if they could put it to you. You got. Two teams—they probably need a therapist right now—in UCF <laughs> and Memphis. And then after that, you go to USF, which you have struggled to play the last couple of years. This could get away from you. You don't want to dig yourself in a, in, in league play here. That's why this Temple loss is 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 hurt. Can they? Oh, do yeah. they have time to recover? Yes, but they got. But as Darius Perry said to you, Kyle, uh, in the media afterwards, they need to know. They need to find. They need to now understand. And, and Dawkins
0: liberated on this. They need to figure out who they are. Right. Who are they? Who do they want to be? Well, the good thing is they have a week to do that because, like we said, the Tulsa game got maybe that's a blessing in disguise. I don't know. Anytime we don't play Tulsa, I'm actually be, happy in, it could in, be. in any in anything, by the way. Um, but let's let real quick before we go to break, I want to break down this Memphis game right now because the Tigers are eight and five. They lost uh, four in a row at one point Iowa State, Georgia, Ole Miss, Murray State. Got back on the horse, lost at Tulane by one point, um, uh, but have kind of picked it up. They beat Tulsa uh, the other night, 67-64. Right now, Memphis is—and listen, during that four-game stretch, I mean, it it looked like it was getting away from Penny Hardaway in a big way, And, and we don't know really if they've tried to pull it together, but they are the number 61 scoring offense in the country. They're averaging 77 points a game. They can be had on defense. They're giving up 69.6 a game. That's 208th in the country. Uh, r- right now, they they protect the rim well. All right. 11th in the country in blocks. But they turn the ball over way too much. They're, they're, they're uh, it was a 270, 273rd in turnover margin. Now, this team can be had in the backcourt, is what this looks like to me. So, what do they got to do? Kyle, what do you need what do we need to see from this team at home on uh, on on Wednesday the 12th if they want it because you know, winning is the great deodorant right You beat this <laughs> Memphis team all of a sudden hey this thing got turned around real quick right?
2: Hey, there's a reason why there's a deodorant out there called sure. All right. It improves your confidence. All right. That's a thing. Okay. Uh, But you know, I'm glad you mentioned turnovers there, Jeff, because it reminded me there might actually be something from this game that the UCF team wants to emulate more than anything else. A mere 10 turnovers.
0: Yeah. They took care of the ball.
2: Yeah. And, and the only other time where they had fewer was again, that Michigan game. Listen, like you can sell that on dang eBay at this point. (laughs) It's Maybe the best basketball you'll see in the Dawkins era. Period. Who knows? Um, it's a shame that Michigan turned around and lost to Rutgers to kind of muddy that water a little bit. But I no, no, don't
1: remind me. I watched that. Let's not too. talk That's about so. that. <laughs> but, I'm, I'm, I'm in the stage of grief right now. It's Kyle. Right? I I was in the relax, angry stage not. Wednesday night, like, and know, now I'm in the grief. You
0: are. I feel like I got to be Aaron Rodgers in basketball season. Everyone relax. <laughs> You know, yeah. God, it is the early I like January, the, man. I like the
1: group. I'm a basketball guy. We can make the tournament. I don't want to be just a football school.
0: That's so shallow. I agree, too. But you can't apply the football team mindset to basketball. No but, no, 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 but losses. I'm not. No, no. Are you going to yeah. get some good wins? They, got, they still have two games have against Memphis to hope, go. They still hope. have two games against against Houston to go. Those are the only two teams in the American that are higher than them in the net.
1: But here's the problem. Memphis, we'll see. You mentioned turnovers, Kyle. Memphis will press UCF. They're going to – Penny Hardaway going to press him. UCF had problems with that over the last couple of years against Memphis. That's, and Houston can defend. It's not going to get easier for UCF. They're going to have to clean some of that up to have a shot to win some
0: of those but, games. But that's Listen, where Darius – I where, agree that's with where you. With your it, seniors, that's where your seniors come in, right, Kyle? Yeah. I mean, that's no, where agreed. Darius Perry yeah. – you know your senior point guard. This is this yeah. is his show. This is his show on Wednesday night.
2: I feel like this year with this team, and I can't speak to Memphis history like you guys. You're going to kick my butt, uh, knowing history every day of the week. I get that, but Don't sell yourself year, short. But this year, I feel like when the press has been applied to UCF, the gaps left in the in in the uh, front court by the opposition are are a, are a bigger reward for UCF than the risk of having to stare through the press. They get through it, and then they get the ball for the two. You know, okay, so they might have a few extra turnovers. It's a full court press. But I've come to find that their ability to score and find shot selection easier is, is comes because the defense is more spread out. I mean, that's the physics of it. The danger of a press, if if you don't have people that can run with you, is that you break it and you get an easier opportunity because of it. Right. And then remember the whole thing that beating the press is to be able to run and move consistently without getting winded. That's what the depth is for. Darius Johnson has come in and made a difference. We've seen more Jamil Reynolds. You know, I feel like the press is something that could play to UCF hands if they continue to protect the ball as they have right? You certainly don't need one of those 19 turnover games to start creeping back in and, and have it spiral wow. worse and give Eric more ammunition to, you know, be skeptical and worried. And there's plenty there. I'm not talking trash, Eric. I'm, I'm just saying it's the last thing they need is another, I am but I say all uh, of the above to say if
1: Dawkins is tipping. <laughs> all
0: right. So, so UCF against Memphis, <laughs> Uh, Wednesday. Dawkins's is tipping goes in. Damn it. This game is Eric. This game is on ESPN Plus. Wait, wait a minute. Not Which man. one? The Memphis game. Tulsa was no, is no. The Memphis ESPN? game. No, I don't think but the so. Mem- so. I, no, the Memphis game. says right here on the schedule. Sorry, that's my dog Lucy in the background. Um, says ESPN. Oh, Plus. it is. Yeah, that's a so bummer. Wait. I don't know what to tell you.
2: I hear Eric complaining about t- tippins when when Bae has been doing what he's doing. Come on, man. <clears throat>
1: I don't know. I'm just saying, if we would have I, had that just, tip in two years ago,
0: man. Listen, we got three years ago. Listen, this is what I'm saying. We Still have, haven't gotten over that. We have Eric, Eric thinks like the rest of the schedule is going to get canceled. The dog we is have, even upset. The dog's mad at the loss. Had, I she's could hear He's mad it. at you because, listen, we have 14 games to go. Okay. Everybody calm down. All right. They're going to figure this out. And if they don't, it happens. Okay. But. I, you, I I don't think it's time to throw the baby out with the bathwater here. All right, I I, I really don't. Just fo-
1: hopefully they find it. Hopefully, hopefully they find an identity in the next week because I don't think we know what the identity of this team is. I don't think they know what their identity it's gonna, is. It, it takes. As we'll talk it, about takes later it takes a season
0: show. to figure that out. It takes a season to figure. I that don't
1: out. agree with that. I don't agree with that, and we'll talk about another basketball team on campus that already that knows their identity. This right. team needs to find it That's- a little
0: bit later though. Okay. Kyle Nash covering UCF basketball for black and gold banner. Kyle, where can people reach out to you?
2: Honor, joy, and privilege, gentlemen. Thank you very much. Find me on Twitter at the SOTG. Find me on Instagram as the same, the SOTG. Find me on Facebook as the student of the game. Gentlemen, great time as always. And Remember, until next time, I'm not going to put you in the corner because you have a good reason to be frustrated. But until next time, gentlemen, <laughs> class
0: to Everybody, everybody calm down. Okay, everybody, just calm down for one freaking second. All right, uh, when we get back, <laughs> Andrew Glukov is going to join us to talk some football. Um, uh, Kyle, you want to stick around for that too? Because I know you got some things that that you made some good observations this week that I think might be quite helpful. And plus, I just want to see you and, and Andrew fight. So you,
2: you want to see what you two might look like at a younger age? Is that yes?
0: A- yeah, let's do that. Okay. <laughs> Uh, Stick around, we'll get back, we'll talk football transfer portal. The portal giveth and the portal taketh away. Uh, We'll talk with Drew about that in a second. Stick around, I'll be right back. It's the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast, back after this. All right, welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez with you. Uh, Kyle Nash is sticking around with us because he knows about football stuff, and so is Andrew Glukov, who joins us now uh, on Drew. On the Black and Gold Pattern Podcast, a little offseason football roundtable, if you will, here to talk about the portal and how it giveth and how it taketh away, as we have seen this uh, week. All right. So first of all, the portal giveth. Kobe Perry, senior defensive back from Austin P, the 2021 Ohio Valley Conference Defensive Player of the Year, is coming to UCF. KD McDaniel, outside linebacker, out of Kentucky, 6'2", 250, big kid. He's coming to UCF. Terrence Lewis, five-star recruit, number one linebacker in 2021. Missed last year with a torn ACL, but he's coming to UCF from Maryland. Wow. Holy smokes, UCF is getting guys, right? The portal's great. Hold on a second. (laughs) Tatum Bethune goes to Florida State. We talked about how uh, uh, w- 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 who did we have? We had uh, obviously Dylan Gabriel, who initially chose UCLA, is now actually chosen Oklahoma because that's where Jeff Lebby is going. Okay, whatever. Uh, Titus Mokio Atamalala is also leaving uh, via the via the portal. Um, gee, I wonder where he's going to go. Uh, the the uh, so as we said, the portal giveth, the portal taketh away, and. I got into a debate with with some UCF fans on Twitter who were saying that the portal has ruined college football. (laughs) All right? That everything is ruined. It's terrible. There's no, quote, loyalty, end quote, anymore. Um, Everything is—you can't connect with a team anymore. Everything is—guys— and, 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 I said, and I've said this before, and I want to know what each of you guys think here. I think the portal is great, okay? And I'll tell you why. We know exactly who is totally invested in the program, who wants to be at UCF. And that applies not just to UCF, but to every other school, okay? You don't have guys who would rather be somewhere else but are having to play out the string because they have no other options. They have the options now. All of you guys who play, and you, and this, by the way, does not just apply to sports. This applies to every collective endeavor there is. There are, it is a lot easier to succeed when everyone buys in, right? We know who buys in, right? If you don't want to be here, If you don't think UCF is great, if you would rather be somewhere else, go somewhere else, right? Go find your happy, whatever that may be, all right? It's okay. Go. Give me 85 guys who want to be here. Am I wrong about this?
1: Well, I think you're wrong in the standpoint (laughs) that— Surprise, surprise. No, it's really breaking news news here. (laughs) News flash ordinary
3: couple disagrees.
1: I think the concern is that your sport has become a year to year sport now. It's no longer a year to year sport. No, uh, it used to be you could build a team two, three years from now and you look forward to a freshman. Now if a really is that
0: is that why the power five schools are firing coaches left and right and giving them twenty million dollar buyouts. That's not, yeah, exactly. that's not
1: good. Yeah, that's not that's not good either. And I'm gonna tell you college football right now is in a collision. Right now, what it is, it's a collision. You have the one side like you that enjoys the transfer portal, likes the student-athletes moving from place to place. You like the fact that players are opting out of bowl games. You want to expand the playoff. You want to get rid of the Bulls. Then you have another side that doesn't want to get rid of bowl games, that probably either doesn't want to expand the playoff or they very little. They also want to keep everybody on the same team. I'm not saying one side is right or one side is not, but we've hit a collision here. We have hit a collision between two theories, the purest thought, and, and a great example is the Rose Bowl. Why does the Rose Bowl have so much leverage in college football? Because, as Drew, you could speak to this, a lot of people in the Midwest really care about the Rose Bowl. They've grown up with it. And there are and people like Kurt Herbstreit are offended <laughs> when people skip the Rose Bowl. Get now, over it. It's crazy. That's your opinion, but then there's the other opinion, so the sport eventually is going to have to meet somewhere in the middle. And I don't know if that's going to happen. As far as the portal, I'm fine with the portal. As somebody who has dealt with the portal for like twenty since 2018, because Earth news to football fans, this has been going on before football. So get over it. Uh, but I will say this: the big issue with the the, the portal is is the, the tampering that goes on people behind the scenes that convince a kid to leave when he really shouldn't leave. But hey, I hey Sonny, I'm the greatest quarterback. I beat Ty Detmer 30 years ago. Why don't you leave? That guy's not good enough. I know what I'm talking about. It's nonsense. Guys are leaving way too many times for the wrong reasons. There's about a 1,000 players on the portal, and only 30% of them actually end up on a roster. We're seeing scholarships... Being thrown away and an education being thrown away, and that's not a good thing. But whose choice is that? Unfortunately, the parents are too involved in this. That's the problem. It's like this youth league commitment. Uh, like my son is the best ever. You're not treating my son well. I don't like how you're using
0: him. Let's go. Let's see, go somewhere see, else. I don't think. I don't think. I, I I do agree with you on that to some extent. Right. But I think that. You're also by blaming on the parents, you're denying the agency to the student athlete. Let's let's not forget they're adults. Good. Hey. Okay? So t- tell you
1: what, that's fine. Then that, you know what, Caleb Williams, you talk to the media. Don't let your dad do the talking for you when you bolt Oklahoma and you try to hold them hostage for a bigger NIL. Hey, cool. Speak to the media. Don't let your dad do your talking. That's my. that's fine. I agree with you. Don't let your dad do the talking for you. Or your mommy do the talking for you. If you're an adult, then you got to take you know answer those questions when you leave. Just like professional athletes have to answer questions when they leave a franchise.
3: No, they don't. They Don't have to answer anything. They can. Really either, they do. can either say nothing or they can have their agent do it for them.
1: Like Antonio uh, they're not Brown
3: required to say oh, anything. <laughs> uh, I, here, here's the cold hard truth. I don't think it's really a collision course so much as it's. Uh, for the sport as general, is it really is just for the fans? The fans are the ones that have to reconcile this, that are struggling. It's the fans that are divided over the pro bowl, uh, bowl games versus the anti bowl games. So uh, I, I think we need to clarify a little bit on that, that it's not really the sport that's in a collision course now. It's still in that reckoning stage. There's no yeah, much the, We're still in the
0: chaos theory phase. Yeah. Like. You know, and, and, and forgive me, Drew, but I do I just want to make this point. You know, hey, Terry, you you talked about the 30% of guys who who ended up not landing anywhere. I think that a lot of that is because you know, the portal is so new, everyone thinks they can take advantage of it. Eventually, those guys unfortunately, unfortunately, I'm not saying this is a good thing. They become the cautionary tales. I think over time we're gonna see fewer guys go into the portal for that reason. We're still collecting
3: data. We're still in that data collecting phase. Right. We're still
0: in the we're still in the in the agglomeration phase of this, right? So I'm sorry, Drew, go ahead.
2: Phase. It's yeah. never yeah. been collision, it's been correction.
3: Yeah. Right. And this has been building up for a while. Uh, you know, as as Jeff says, you you want people in your system that buy in and want to be there. Uh, if you don't like a job, you go somewhere else. You find a new job. Now there's no guarantee you land a new job, which is where the problem is with you know with the amount of people in the portal and the high number of ones who never actually land anything. Uh, on the flip side, you know you you add the nil aspect. All these underground things that had already been happening have come to the surface. They become it's a lot more transparent now. This stuff with Texas A&M creating a conglomerate that that's throwing uh, in—it's being reported over twenty-five to thirty million dollars worth of sponsorship money around. Hey, hey, newsflash! That was already happening. Now we just know about right. it. Right.
1: Instead of under the table, it's over the table now.
3: Yeah. It's it's it's, it's yeah. is it is it clean? Well, it's legal um you know it's and and I remember I, I made a, hey a Eric Dickerson what's that new
0: car you got over there I it, yeah
3: <laughs> I, I I made a comment once uh online and a person laughed at me for because they were talking about the Texas a thing I said you know what and not a dime of that's coming from the school because they can't pay for it. that's when it becomes dirty and with all that money being thrown around the last thing a school like A&M would want to do is be involved with it you know because Hey, it's being done for them. Why attract undue attention? You know, you're starting to see Florida State and Florida starting to to kind of start building this themselves. Uh, They're they're starting to build sponsorship collectives. Maybe UCF needs to do the same thing where it's not the school so much, but it's under the banner of the school where private entities, private companies, and, and financial benefactors all pool together resources to help say, hey, you come to us, we'll get you. You know, a, a sponsorship gig that'll that'll put some coin in your pocket. That's what it's going to come down to. I mean, Charlie Batch, the former NFL quarterback, came out today oh, and, nice. and basically yeah. said, "Hey, Cam Williams, come to Eastern Michigan, and my company will pay you a million dollars for one year."
0: Yeah, Charlie Charlie Batch off the top rope. I'll tell you, unbelievable. Kyle, like. So,
2: yeah, I, I won't get to the collective part of it because that's something I don't think any of us necessarily plan for. Um, but listen, where we're at, you heard me say correction and not collision where the problem really comes into play is where you have the other outside entities. And and listen, I get the part where, you know, they're, they're, they're guys that um, are adults. They're making their own decisions theoretically, but there are also parties on their side that are misdirecting them, whether they have best intentions or not. Okay. I've said this before, maybe not necessarily on this air, but somewhere that the biggest thing people have to be, be aware of is lessons are going to be learned here. Players are learning lessons in the form of that 30%. And uh, we, the consumers, are starting to learn the lessons that they're forming collectives and is this a direction we really want to go? But if the goal really was player mobility, this is probably one of the best ways you're going to get it. Drew, do you remember back in the Student of the Game podcast days what I would say about the SEC?
3: Oh, yeah, with the, with the dollar signs and everything?
2: Oh, more specifically, it's the best college football money could buy. Well, now we just see it. You know, well, we've always, we, by, we've by the way, seen
3: it since the 1990s when they de- when they separated uh, and created their own broadcast contract, uh, they they were always the, you know, the ones kind of going forward on, on the money aspect. And, right. and the
0: other thing too, like you talked about like the collectives, like just thinking out loud here, like how different, how different is that from a group of donors who get together and pool X million dollars to attract a coach?
3: Um, it's, no, it's no different. So here,
0: yeah. Like what's the difference
2: when you pull the coach, when you pull the coach card here, here's where that gets difficult. Like there are coaches like the, uh, the Kirk Ferrences and, and Jim Harbaugh, right? Guys who have, well, no, no, I'm not speaking to Jim Harbaugh yet. Like oh. I'm talking about guys who are institutions in and of themselves. Okay. Fair. They, fair yeah. Kirk I'm sorry. Ferentz's go ahead. Is, like no player is staying at a damn college for 10 years. That's a fact. Okay.
1: They can, <laughs> Even if they could. We tried you could try. I mean, I tried.
3: <laughs> well, I think you might still you got four ability. years of eligibility. Hey, he's a unicorn. Yeah. At I mean, point, I Kirk Ferentz is a unicorn.
2: Well, I mean, I, I, yeah, I get it. I, I'm speaking to, you know, things that aren't necessarily uh, occurrences. I, I would argue that a coach who has seen the success or our unicorns should be rewarded thus. And I think when we perceived This whole NIL situation, it would be the unicorns that would draw the money, the quarterbacks, the star players that would become thus as and, you know, star players on the various teams, too. I'm not trying to cut out the other sports. I know there are more sports than football, et cetera, et cetera. But that stars, generally speaking, or Olympians in some of the uh, other sports, you know, that take place at the university and even crack, you know, gender barriers, all that stuff. I think they would be ones more inclined to get the athletics. But even speaking as an offensive lineman, I never expected an entire O lineman group to be sponsored by I don't know a furniture moving company or something like that. Oh, it's perfect. You know. So
3: all you can eat buffet.
2: I think that's the part we're still trying to account for. Is we were looking for those unicorns that I'm now calling it. Thanks to you, Drew. uh, That that were. (laughs) The true driving forces to a university's success and might deserve a reward for their loyalty and performance. Not every, you know, not literally every child walking in or adult, sorry, not every college student walking in should be entitled to the NIL, in my opinion. You know, you need to take some snaps and do something. You got to earn that.
1: Well, and I think that's why I think I've talked to a lot of coaches in various sports. I think they like the NIL because. It's, it's not up to you, right? It's up to how you, the player and the performer and marketing. Now, you know, it's not necessarily the best player sometimes, but, but that's a whole other story. But, you know, I spoke to a compliance person that works in the sec and, and in the big 12, you know, what the three top most demanded sports for NIL has been. It's been football, mm-hmm. men's basketball and softball. And then gymnastics is fourth. Why is that? Because, all, you can identify certain individuals, whether it be quarterback, football is the most popular sport, basketball, individuals, you can identify them. Softball, you can identify a pitcher, you can identify that. You can see their face. Same thing with gymnastics. That's part of it. Um, the one concern with the transport, and I think, Jeff, you remember this. I think Greg Lovelady told us this in a couple years back. What he didn't want is to this turn into a situation where certain, program, you know, a certain programs become a farm system, quote-unquote, for other programs, that hey, you're de- you take the time to develop a player, and then when they're ready to go, here plucks in a major program and plucks them away for a couple of years. That was his concern. Uh, I don't think that's going, you know, that's necessarily going to happen because as we've seen, every program gets plucked. Oklahoma's been yeah. plucked, they've been raided, right? right. So I it think we've a learned lot more that.
3: on when coaching changes, too, right? That's right. a
1: huge part of it. But Drew, you made a great point, and all of you have made great points on this segment too by the way Jeff I agree with you I think this will slow down because that's happened in the other st- <laughs> this was uh, we have to be fair yeah.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> it, it will slow down the thing that, that that hurts football it seems like it's a lot because it's got the biggest roster people got to remember this right like I remember in um after the softball season people were flipping out because like oh my god eight players are in the portal what's wrong with the program that <laughs> mindset has to stop Just because players enter the portal does not mean you have an issue in your program. It just means the player wants to move on to play, have more playing time or play for somebody else, et cetera, et cetera. I think it's the same applies in football. You might have 10, 15 guys enter the portal, but remember, there's 85 guys on a roster. So you're going to have a big number. The big thing that I agree with Drew, and I forget if we did it on night shift, a couple or on this podcast, Drew, was you want some dates, some deadlines would help. Yeah. One of the things that kind of I think is right now the fans are struggling with, and I can understand this is I think the transfer portal is like free agency, except in free agency, for the most part, you know when that player's contract is up. So you could prepare for that. There's so, a like free if agency you're Atlanta, period. Exactly. And yeah. so, like if you're the Atlanta Braves fan, you know that Freddie Freeman's contract's coming up. Here we don't. A kid could pop in without blind – like a lot of people were cut off guard by Tatum Bethune. It would be like if Kyle's 49ers, he's a George Kittle guy, and George Kittle, after the season ends, two days later announces, hey, guys, guess what? I'm I'm, I'm declaring to be a free agent. You're like, yeah, what? Wait a minute. <laughs> right. And I think that's where we're at right now in college football. I think the college football fan who has been used to having a kid kid be be there three to four years is the last fan base that is struggling with this change college this is happening college basketball already saw every other sport has gone through this already this is football's turn now
3: well here's one of the things that that fans often fail to to consider scholarships are on a one-year basis right they're renewed on an annual basis you are always on a one-year contract that's the thing that, that college sports fans really don't notice because it's not talked about. Scholarships are singular. You know, but it's a player's renewed.
2: perspective too, man. Wow, you kind of blew my mind with that. I, I didn't even think of that. That's a good point. Exactly, sport. and that, that, that's I mean, kind of where true. I'm getting yeah. at
3: is yeah. we don't think about that. We, we think as the whole, oh, you're on, you're, you've are You're been brought on scholarship, you're good to go. No, there's right. no guarantee that yeah, a UCF is going to renew the scholarship of a player. You know, you know right say something i'll, I'll give you a, i'll knows? give
0: you a good example like you know we've seen <clears throat> obviously we've seen some real contributors like let's just let's just use ucf as an example all right we've seen some real contributors go but you know let's take a look at okay so for example a guy like a Ahmad, amon who is a sophomore one career catch in 17 games all right Devontae dawson who had four tackles last year opted out in 2020 Um, Caden Robinson had one catch for his career. It was for a touchdown. Justin Menard had zero catches in eight games as a wide receiver in the past. And I saw this like in the, in the two years that I worked in, in the athletic department, you do see this guys would be on scholarship and then they would go away. And we wonder where they went. Well, you find out that, you know, when they met with the coach after the, after the season, they said, you know what? Uh, we're gonna give your scholarship to someone else. Yep. All right. And then what happens? Well, what's your what's your options? You can walk on, okay. Quit, or go somewhere else. Now, there's a little bit more power in the player's back pocket. If a coach comes to you and says, "Hey, it's not working out," you can say you can you can turn around and go right to your Instagram account and say, "I'm entering the portal," and then all of a sudden that gets headlines where before when there was no portal and you, you just lost buried. your scholarship you just vanished into thin air and no one knew about it so I, i'm not i'm not opposed to this you know it, it, it's it, that's why i think there's there's a little perception gap here where oh. we think oh my god everyone's moving around no there's About as much movement as there was happening before, we just didn't hear about it quite as much because now we have a tool by which we can hear about it. Go ahead, Kyle. And to look
2: look. at it from the truly Scrooge McDuck capitalist greedy sort of way, this gives the program all the license it could to pull the scholarship and reassign it to somebody, right? Oh, well, you have the portal, so, you know, try your opportunities up elsewhere. Meanwhile, we're going to give your scholarship to this guy. I could could very cynically call that a win-win concept.
3: Well, I the the we've said the portal giveth, the portal taketh away. Correct. You know, last year, UCF benefited heavily from the portal. But here's the here's the, this is actually let's use that word again correction. This is a correction. You're seeing a lot of players leave this year that did not leave last year. Number of them are are newer players. Why? Because you know especially first year players they all signed in almost all of them in December. The coaching yeah. change didn't happen. Till after that, it right? A, a lot of these area. guys,
0: a lot of those guys from that twenty-one class, they 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 signed for to, to play with Josh Heupel,
3: right? They, and like you get the class, one right? free transfer, right? You you get one free transfer. If you transfer a second time, you have to sit out a year. Uh, that that's the rule. Normally, right. it was it used to be the only you know you transfer at all, you sit out. A year. Now it's you get a freebie. Mm-hmm. So instead of just cashing in immediately, okay, they 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 tried a year. You know, see how it went. You know, some redshirted, some played. And then it's like, oh, you know what? This new staff, it just isn't right for me. I'm going to go. This should have happened last year. This They should never have signed. But because of the early signing period and when coaching uh, yes. changes happen, they're stuck. I'm actually not a fan of the early signing. I think that's actually causing more problems. I agree with that. Early signing yeah. period. Yep. Eric, weren't you saying that
0: Eric or Drew, one of you guys was, Where'd you saying that like there's some grumblings right now amongst the coaches that, well, there's a, yeah, there's that, grumblings they, amongst... that they, that they might do away with the early signing period.
1: Yeah. They, or they might push it back to February, like it, you know, only. Well, that was the
3: original, that was the normal signing yeah. day. was in February. Yeah. That's the normal signing period. I mean, I think, I think it makes perfect sense. I mean, sure, it makes it harder for, for, you know, or, you know, spring enrollees. You know, uh, maybe maybe make it like late January, push it up a couple of weeks. You know, kind of meet somewhere in the middle. It's still after the season's over. You know, the in January, January fifteenth is usually when that the football year is officially over. Contracts ex, uh end. You know, of assistants and new ones kick in. Uh, so maybe somewhere a little bit after that, like a week or two after that, right before the beginning of the next month, would be a great time to have the signing day. The coaching changes happen. You have. Players now have a chance to say, hey, I'm going to back off and I have an opportunity to look elsewhere because other schools can take advantage of that and vice versa. You know, oh, hey, that coach just signed with that school. I want to check out that school now. I, it can work both ways. But what we're seeing now is a correction of what should have happened last year happening now. And people are freaking out because everyone's leaving. But one, as you said, Jeff, it's a huge roster. It really isn't that big of a of, of a chunk uh you lost well, some that, but... some good caliber players like you know
4: gabriel and
3: Bethune. but i mean good guys have also come in you know you've had armstrong come in you you've had you know bryant come in you know you're gonna you're a... gonna win some you're gonna lose some yeah. and it's just it's the nature of the beast
2: Kyle, you're
0: chomping at the bit. Go ahead.
2: Yeah, I I am because another aspect too, I I know particular guys who have skin in the game that agree with you. Literally every coach in a pre-bowl game press conference of the four I was at agrees with you guys that doing away with the early signing period and having it go back to the way before is, would be preferable. They would be point blank. They hate it. Question, even including- <laughs> the, the
0: irony is they're the ones who wanted the early signing period to begin. And with. they
1: realize how bad it is. Yeah, yeah when well, they realized they were getting offered $10 million a year contracts in December, like, oh, yeah, maybe uh, yeah, I'll take it. I got to go. And then they look bad. Yeah.
2: Or another example, you could be stuck in a press conference on uh, on a signing day, instead of with your team, as was the right. case with you know uh, Coastal Carolina's Jamie Chadwell and uh, um, and and those of that ilk, right? The ones that we're trying to get to jump up to the next level. Uh, if you're somebody who believes in the evolution of the G five, right?
3: It, it creates some awkward situations. I'll tell you that much. I mean, that that's some awkward moments where you're supposed to be prepping for a bowl game and. And you're stuck having to do other stuff. I mean, granted, you have to wear multiple hats when you're a head coach. You're you part politician. You're you part handshaker and baby yeah, shaker. Like, uh, I, I get
0: the people who say, "Hey, you signed up for this."
3: It, well, yeah, I mean that's part of the package.
0: Yeah,
3: uh, and you have certain. That's why you make the big bucks? <laughs> but I, but, you know, now that they've gotten a little taste of that of that water from that fountain, they realize it doesn't taste so good. All
0: uh, right, so uh, so but, so. So this will well, be – I want I want to wrap this up by by pulling it back to UCF one more. All right, so we saw – we've seen so far four guys. And by the way, we got some news today, uh, actually the last couple days. A couple guys are coming back for that extra year of eligibility. Isaiah Bowser, number one. Tremendous for UCF. Sam Jackson's coming back. Anthony Montalvo's coming back on the defensive line. So that's good. Four guys in the portal. We had one guy who we – thought was coming in um kind of reverse field a little bit so uh but we're looking at as far as outgoing guys from last year one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen okay thirteen fourteen guys have left all right you think we're going to see another ten more? Oh, Drew, I want to start with you. You think we're going to see another ten more pop in by Groundhog's Day?
3: By Groundhog Day, via the, via the portal, to uh,
0: you know, to it, kind of fill may- in those spots that were that were emptied out.
3: I don't think it'll be ten. Uh, I don't think it'll be that high. Uh, I think they will may get to like six or seven, eight at the most. Um, okay. I think they're gonna. They'll, they'll try maybe get one or two signees. Uh, and they'll just take a member. This is, this is a correctional hit. so it's a little bit bigger than what it should be. Uh, heck, there were, there were players before this season even started that, that left like uh, like Anthony Hunley left before the season even started. Yeah uh, Yeah, he's not even on the list because of how early he jumped. Yeah. <laughs> so I th- this is a correctional thing. So UCF's going to take a, a net loss on this one. They had a net gain last year and it'll balance out. So I don't think they'll get the 10 they'd like to, but you're not going to get guys just to get guys. You want people that that buy into your program that that can, can contribute something. You're not just going to you know, if you want people just to fill in spaces, you do a tryout and you get some walk-ons. You, know, you don't waste the scholarships. You save those for next year when you're going to go uh, just as aggressive back into the portal because there's no limit in how many players you sign from the portal. There's only limits on how many freshmen you bring in. So if you've got the extra scholarships, you can use them. And you, if you don't, you've just carried over and you've got more to work with next year. Uh, you know, obviously that creates depth issues, but you know what? Uh, it's it's just part of the problem and it's part of the the the, the struggles that schools have when they change coaching regimes is you're going to have personnel issues. That's why they usually give three years as a, as a time of, is this coach working or not? Kyle, what do you think?
2: Yeah, no, there's a lot of stuff there that, that Drew says is good. I, I think that um, the upper range of an estimate is 10. I think it's possible. I'm with Drew. It's hard for me to swallow that he'll get there, but I, I, listen, give, give coach balzon credit. There's a lot of exclamations on the back of that boom on the Twitter account. You know what I'm saying? He's recruiting as his hair is uh, like his hair was on fire was the campaign last year. He's now got a full offseason to work with. It's very interesting to observe. Now, that all being said, will he have 10 by February? I'm a Drew. That's a hint tall. But with the guys he brought in last year, granted, first year, it's a lot more fire, a lot more freshness, you know. That's a factor. I think that's why he doesn't get to 10, but he'll, he'll, he'll flirt
0: with it. Maybe not by February, maybe by the summer, after we get through spring, you know, some guys, if, if guys on other rosters decide, you know what, I'm, I'm going the wrong way through a revolving door. They enter the port. I mean, remember UCF picked up a few transfer guys over the summer. Correct. That were, that were really key. Hey, lest we forget, you know, I know it was, you know, almost five years ago now, but Mike Hughes was a late transfer in sure. August, right? Well, Eric, yeah, transfers the- as possible. Yeah. yeah, Eric, I'll leave the last word with you. Well, I agree with Drew
1: there, but I'm going to just point two things to remember about the portal. Jeff, you made a great point. This goes two ways. We talk about players leaving all the time, but you made a great point. Coaches, I've asked coaches, the reason they like it is they can clean the slate. If there's players they don't believe fits their system or don't believe is in the long-term plans, they'll tell the player, hey, we just don't think that in the long run, this is best for you. I'll help you go somewhere else. That happens behind the closed doors to a great point by you. I think people have to remember that. And I also think we got to remember relationships in recruiting still matter. Even afterwards, look at Tatum Bethune. Why did he go to Florida state? Randy Shannon's the defensive coordinator who recruited Tatum to UCF. Randy Shannon. They have a relationship that goes way back. Dylan Gabriel. <laughs> In a unique UCF, path.
0: Jeff Lebby.
1: he's friends with Jeff Levy there's a relationships and that matters and Gus knows that he's one of the best in there by the way shout out to Tatum Bethune nobody should criticize him for leaving the guy left it on the field every time he played here he could do what he wants it makes you got to use common sense sometimes in these things he wants to play for a coach that he knows for a long time I have no problems with, with him. Salute to him. He helped this football team. He left it on the field. That's all you can ask as a fan. And as a, as a teammate is, did you leave it on the field? He did. So salute to him, by the way.
3: Yeah. I'd it's tough like to, point it's out out to that,
0: see a player of that, of that, that, that level go. Obviously.
3: I'd like to point out that Terrence Lewis, who's one of the transfers in was going, had Auburn as the front runner before Gus Melzahn was fired And who was the guy who recruited him? Travis Williams. Yep. Just saying. Right.
1: (laughs) And that's why you're, why you still pick up some terms. Yeah. That's the relationships, man. Your hair's on fire.
0: All right. Well, we continue to monitor it. The, if you go to blackandgoldbanneret.com and you go to our homepage, uh, you will see in the sort of towards the right-hand side of our sort of header, the 2021 22 UCF football transfer portal tracker myself drew and uh Bryson Turner will be monitoring that throughout the year anytime something updates we're gonna put it up there you may as well just bookmark it because you're gonna get you know, I'm gonna be updating the tracker as as much as we possibly can a shout out to Drew who is like drew told me like I should I should put out like uh uh you know like Liam Neeson is Zeus so no, that, that was that was cracking
3: that was Kyle. Oh, that was that. Kyle? I thought it was you, No, true. sir, that was not me. Oh,
0: I really? I've I, I got really the two of Murph. you arguing over this now? Fantastic. No, it wasn't
3: Murph. me, but I'll, I'll gladly take credit for but it. Yeah, it wasn't me. If I did it, I would tell you, but no. Re- 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 release I'll the tracker. The track- I think it was Murph. It so. might have been Murph, <clears> but <throat> but since he's not allowed to be named on the show, we'll say it was me. As the manager <laughs>
0: as the managing editor of this of this thing, I, I say that we are allowed to say Brian Murphy's name whenever the hell we want. Boom. So, Listen, so it there has been go. decreed. Um, wow. All right, Drew, we can hit you up at Drew on Twitter, Kyle KyleVSOTG on Twitter. Uh, gentlemen, thank you for your insight and for not screaming at each other quite to the extent of me and Eric. <laughs> Uh, these last this last yeah. segment Oh wait, hey, uh-huh. Jeff,
1: you're in trouble now. Brian Brian Brian's going to Von Wagner you now for mentioning just so you know. Just yeah. like Von Wagner went after the crowd in NXT, he's going to go after you now. Bring Shout it out on. to Von Wagner, Cal Bloom. Yeah, Bring it up. on.
0: Here you go. Uh <laughs> yeah, d- don't make me go all Harlan on him, okay? Uh and not talk. <laughs> <laughs> when we uh, when we come back, uh We've got uh, Bryson Turner, who's going to join us to talk a little UCF women's hoops. They got a victory on the road to start conference play at Tulane. This team is just picks up right where they leave off, man. Unbelievable. So we'll talk about that. We'll hear from Coach Abe in a little bit as well. This is the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast, back after this. Welcome back. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, back with you here on the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. And joining me now, Bryson Turner to talk about some UCF women's basketball while, uh, while Eric was, uh, was kvetching about the men's team, (laughs) um, this women's team uh, for UCF, it just continues to steamroll people. Um, Eric, you wrote they were, they had 18 days off because of COVID postponements and cancellations. So they open conference play in New Orleans at Tulane against a team that has given them fits in the past. And wouldn't you know it, just like they usually do, they figure out something in the third quarter, they the, the defense flips on, and once again, they hold another opponent under 50 points. 54-47 was the final. And this is what I liked about this, Eric um, and, and, and Bryce, and I want to get you in on this too, but... Uh, Diamond Battles, okay? She has the license to shoot. Last night, she was two for 14. And still, this team pulls it together and gets the win. Alicia Lewis, five of six, two for three for three-point range, 13 points. You said in your article on the site she was very aggressive. And when she's aggressive, she's that's when this team is at their best on offense. But... Uh, and it also a milestone last night, masani Kaba scored her 1,000th career point. So congrats to Mas. But, um, 20th player to ever do that. That's right. But I think it's a really encouraging sign for this team when your best player has a terrible night and you figure out how to win anyway with that defense, Eric.
1: No doubt, and that's the thing. This team has an identity. We spent a lot of time in the earlier in the show about the men's and what's their identity. This team, we know what their identity is. They are defense first. Jeff, we did this last year. We wrote the article. They were number one in the country in points allowed last season. Yeah. This year, they're number two, giving up forty-eight points a game. They held Tulane thirty points below their average, held them to twenty-seven percent from the field,
4: as Coach Abe said after 63. the game. Three.
0: Seventeen for that
1: seven,
4: was just shooting three was lane from the field, and this is the eighth time it, that they uh, that they allowed uh, that uh, they prevented a team from going over fifty points.
0: Right, that is their calling card,
1: and as Coach Abe said after the game, defense was the key to victory.
3: A lot of resilience. I mean, obviously, holding this team to forty-seven points is big. Our defense. You know, it was really good down the stretch, especially in the third quarter. We got some steals and tips and got some layups and got some transition buckets. So I think defensively was the key to the game.
1: I was Coach A right after the game. But this defense is legit. And But to bring up Alicia Lewis, Jeff, you and I have talked about her for over a year, came over from Syracuse. The coaches get on her because she's too unselfish. She sometimes passes to it, doesn't shoot enough because she's the best shooter on the team when she shoots. She was five of six, very efficient, aggressive. If she plays offense like that, she filled the box score up five assists, 13 points, four boards, three steals. If she plays that aggressive on the offensive end to be that and take some of the load off Diamond Battles and take the load off Tay Sanders, they are a different team. I think they can win the league that way. She's that good and they really passed the ball 18 assists as a team second most in the, for the season they know who they are jeff that's why they're successful they know who they are and they have the
4: chemistry and they play to their identity i have to so- disagree with you a little bit there eric because I don't know. I don't know about like Alicia Lewis Dean to be more aggressive because I mean you look at her stats and she is like is nailing practically every opportunity. In my in my opinion, this seems like a case of good shot selection, not and not necessarily shot selection. And I think that's the big strong point that that Alicia Well, Lewis I just like has. the fact
1: the key is the key is she's shooting the ball. And Jeff, you know this. There's been times where she'll go oh for two in a game, one for two. Yeah. To beat South Florida, and that's what we're talking about. The big picture here: is South Florida and UCF. They're headed for a collision here. To win the league, which is their goal, if Alicia can give them that offense, you know, Diamond get get them some scoring tape. They're more of a balanced offense team. But Lish is their best perimeter shooter. She can explode at a moment's notice. She just has to stay aggressive and not be passive. That's kind of what I mean. They don't, she doesn't have to do it every game, but she has to pick her spots, and she's doing a
0: good job of that uh,
1: this year and did it in Tulane
0: there are two players on the roster who are shooting 35% or better from three-point range right now. One of them is Diamond Battles. The other is Alicia Lewis. So, you know, and we know what happens when teams key on Diamond, as by the way, Tulane did last night. So what do you do? You got to find some other scoring threat from the outside. And, you know, we know that coach Abe loves to pound the ball inside and that's, that's her calling card, right? I mean, it's, it's Masni Kaba. Last night it was Destiny Thomas as well. We saw a little bit of Shania Mertens as well uh, last night. But in order for that to work, you got to at least present the threat of outside shooting. It's it's just like the running game only like the passing game only works if you have the threat a legit threat to run. Not even that you even run the ball that well. You just have to present the threat to run, and it's the same thing in basketball. Bingo! You're, that your outside, your inside works when you have at least the credible threat of shooting outside, and that's what works. So, Bryson, let me turn it over to you here. This schedule, as it shapes out for UCF right now, they're at nine and two. Um, they have they're at ECU on Saturday, and then this stretch coming up, Houston and South Florida Tuesday and next Sunday. This is this is the key early part of the early season stretch, right? Because there's no doubt they have that game against South Florida penciled in on the calendar, but they can't look too far ahead right now because you know, what are we looking at right now in terms of the uh, in terms of everybody else we see in front of them
4: well we're looking we're looking at a call. I, I think the big thing is that you UCF just needs to make sure that their de- defense holds when you look when again that is their I- identity But the, but I think the other thing is that obviously people the, these other teams like like they tried to do with battle they're gonna go, going to scheme again against that and so uh one thing I really noticed is that the offense started off a little pretty sluggish. In the first half, which I can understand a little bit, they've been off for 18 days, so I can understand being a little rusty, but, but what really saved the team this time is offensive rebounding and I think that offensive rebounding is going to be a huge key for the for this team for, for this team in this sort in this sort of scenarios because that is what kept the game close. Very early on, Uh, I believe halftime statistics, I posted those while I was live between the game on the black and gold banner Twitter account and UCF had over had double the offensive rebounds that Tulane that Tulane did and that was why the game was the way it was I mean when when diamond battles goes two for 14. I mean, you're going to need some offensive rebounds in order to make, and in order to make up for that. And they did that in the first quarter. Now Tulane did gain ground in the rebounding total in the second half, but that was when the UCF offense finally got got going, and Tay Sanders and Alicia Lewis did their did their thing. And and ended up get, do getting the game. Also in the fourth, also in the fourth quarter, the team did a lot better job of getting to the free throw line, and that's something that they definitely need to make sure you they try to do on a more consistent bit on a more consistent basis. They got to the free throw line. UCF got to the free throw line ten times in the fourth quarter alone. In the entire game, Tulane went to the free throw line had eleven free throws the whole game, so. I think goal. they were
1: aggressive. They were aggressive in the glass. Yeah. Destiny Thomas had 11 boards. Cobb, that's their bread and butter. They go to East Carolina. Can't avoid a trap there because then you got Houston Jeff. You know their coach very well. They were yep. just on the outside, Ronald missing Huey. in the NCAA's last year. Toronto Huey. Keep- that'll be a big home game Tuesday, and then South Florida, obviously the big one on Sunday, the 16th, that everybody circled. So yeah. no, I, would I, like- that SM- I would keep an
4: eye on that SM. I would keep an eye on that SMU game too because they're starting off conference play pretty well. The, uh, the, the other there. thing too
0: yeah. is you know i'm looking at the net guys yep. and all right right now UCF is the top aac team in the net at 33 actually dropped two spots um south florida biting at their heels at 37 then we got a gap before we hit houston uh who is at where 71, saw, right? 70 71 71. Now they're 8 and 5, but they've won 5 mm-hmm. games in a row. So Eric, when you uh, now ECU that's that should be a win for UCF uh on Saturday hands down. They got to they got to take care of business in Greenville. They take care of business in Greenville. You got this Houston team who, you know, j- they just won at Wichita. That's not an easy place to play. They won at Florida State. They, uh, that's, that was a key win for them. They also won at home against Arizona state. Um, this is the Houston game kind of worries me a little bit, Eric, right? Because you don't want to, well, they always play well. They know each other well. Yeah. Yeah, And, and like, you can't look too far ahead.
1: No, no. I mean, they played three times last year. Remember they were in the semis. Yep. Houston you know, presents a unique challenge because they shoot the ball a lot from the perimeter three-point line. UCF's going to guard that well. And you know Houston circled this game since last year. This was the yeah. team that knocked them out of the conference tournament. This is the team that probably knocked them out of the having a chance to make the NCAA tournament. So that Huey's going to have them ready to go. That'll be a big game. And you always worry about, you know, you've got that South Florida game on Sunday. Don't overlook. The good news is this team's a veteran team. I don't expect that. But uh, you're right that you know they got to be. It, that'll be a nail biter. Would not surprise me if that Houston game's a one or two possession game, because mm-hmm. uh, I think Houston will be ready to for them.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, I'm excited to see what we have coming up. All right. These games are all on ESPN Plus except the South Florida game next. Well, we're going to preview that next week, but that, that game's not going to be on ESPN. but ESPN Plus up, yeah. on Saturday, 1 p.m. Um, remember that it was the Temple game that was supposed to be on Sunday that was postponed. That was supposed to be on ESPNU as well. No makeup date nope. has been announced. Those two teams are scheduled to play again not until February 19th. That's a Saturday. Um, so, and that's the third to last game of the regular season. So, um, so again, I, I don't know what they're going to do with some of these postponements that we've seen. I, I imagine they're going to try to make them up. I, I wonder if we're Eric, you know, try, I wonder if we're going to see a situation like we did during the COVID season. Remember UCF played Memphis twice, back-to-back in at Memphis? It's I don't like seeing that, but I uh, wonder if that might be one of the options that they're looking at, right? Maybe.
1: I think they're just going to end up going by win percentage. That's my gut feeling here. I think... And I definitely don't think forfeits will be in play here. Uh, I think there's too much backlash no. on that. I think no, they, you, they well, might they, do they, what they you said out, out. Didn't
0: they in the back-to-back the, the, yeah, rules?
1: Yeah, they changed their mind. They changed their mind after like, hey, maybe this was not a good idea to put the forfeit rule in. Uh, I think this could be decided by win percentage. I really do. It could come yeah. down to that. We'll see. Time to tell.
0: We'll see what they do. Again? Oh, great. All right. Um, Bryson, I wanted to check in on a couple other things for you. Tennis. Right around the corner, so our spring sports are getting ready to start, and uh, both the tennis teams are uh, are gonna are getting a pretty nice little head start in the rankings, aren't they?
4: Oh yes. Uh, so you see, so the men's team is picking right back up where they left off at the end of last spring. They're back at number eleven. They finished number ranked number eleven in the ITA top twenty-five coaches poll at the end of last season and they start at number 11 this season this time with Trey Hildebrand with Trey Hildebrand leading the charge with the, with the graduation of Gabriel decamps and they and they start the spring season they have a a quote unquote fall match against Miami this week uh, this weekend but the season the spring season officially starts with a match against number eight ranked Georgia. And then, uh, and then the very next week on Monday, January, uh, no, I'm sorry, Monday, January 17th, they take on Georgia. And then after that Saturday, the January 22nd, they take on number one, Florida. So right away, you UC, see UCF men's tennis is going to be having some marquee, some marquee matches to start off the year. And then the women's team is also starting fa- starting fairly well. Uh, they slide one spot down for their number 11 ranking, from the end of last season to a tie for number twelve with Georgia Tech. That said, still a top 15, still a top fifteen ranking, and they're also the best in the state. So that so that's certainly nice to see. Now,
0: I want to talk about the men's team real quick with this with this sort of pre. You know, in tennis, they call it the dual match season, which is dual teams, right? So, but they're playing this this Miami invite. Uh, starting Friday, Friday through Sunday. And it's not just UCF. Obviously, they're playing Miami. But they're also playing Texas, who's number three in the country, and Georgia, who's number eight at this at this invite. So, th- so we're going to find out you know, real quick. And let's give some credit to John Roddick here, man. He is throwing the gauntlet at his players right off the bat with this three-day event against, against three of the top teams in the country. No?
4: Oh yeah, Just good way would... to warm
0: up, there, boy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> throwing throwing yourself into the deep end of the pool and coral cables. Go ahead, Bryson.
4: No, yeah, I would ag- no, yeah, I would agree agree with that. I think you got to start off right. I mean, going for one, I think this is a very sound strategy to have uh, to play a another like quote unquote another one more fall schedule matchup with my in Miami because you got to prep yourself after being off for Christmas and New Year's. And then you're going to start off your season on January 17th against a top 10 ranked team and then go to Gainesville and play the top ranked team a short time later. So getting this warm up in with Miami, that's that's a good call right there.
0: Yeah. What do you think, Eric?
1: Yeah, I think they'll learn a lot and they'll get them ready to go for the season. So uh, before you know it, tennis seasons around the corner. The Australian opens a couple of weeks away, so uh, I'll be like last night. Unless I'll be you know like that
0: Djokovic, so.
1: <laughs> unless you get your visa. Yeah, we don't want to. We, we don't have time to get into all that. But yeah, that's
4: a whole other sideshow there. Looking that's... forward to college tennis getting going though. I'm very interested to see who Trey Hildebrand's going to do doubles with because he's a part of two ranked duos with uh, his partner from last season, Bogdan Pavel, but he also got ranked with Leighton Cronhay as well. So I'm very interested to see how that doubles matchup is going to work out this season. We
0: we may get a shot at seeing that uh, this coming weekend at that Miami invite against Georgia and... Miami and Texas. So, all right, Bryson, where can people uh, follow you? Because when the spring sports start firing up a little bit more consistently toward the end of this month, you're going to be following them pretty tightly. So how can people uh, follow you?
4: You can find me on my Twitter at at it's Bryson Turner. I've also been, I've been doing a lot of the quote retweets following the uh, re- the announcements by the senior by the senior players announcing their return. Isaiah Bowser, Samuel Jackson, and Anthony Montalvo while this podcast was being record, recorded earlier yeah. on. So uh, and congratulations on those guys coming back. And uh, yeah, you can just follow, follow me there at it's Bryson Turner on Twitter. And-
0: and also, thanks to you for keeping uh, for keeping us honest on the on the transfer portal tracker that we have on uh, blackandgoldbanner dot uh, com
4: as well. We could have had a player named Booby. I mean, <laughs> I feel I feel so sad about that. I I I love I, I love nicknames. We have Flash yes. Robinson. We could have had Booby Curry. Jeff. Yeah,
0: you're, yeah, yeah. You're sad about that.
4: I, I, anyway if any, it's just sad for like a moment you're not like the like one what?
0: who has to screen who, who, who would have had to scream that at forty five thousand people multiple saturday multiple multiple times on a saturday okay i'm just saying all right hey, anyway be
4: hilarious the student section would love it
0: yeah yeah i can i can smell the schadenfreude from here anyway <laughs> um uh make sure you follow us at black and cold you can follow uh by the way thanks to Kyle and Drew. You can follow uh Kyle at the S O T G for the student of the game. You can follow Drew at Statboydrew. And thanks, of course, to you, Eric, at Eric Lopez Elo. And you can follow me at Jeff underscore Sharon on Twitter. Follow us collectively at Black and Gold Banneret at UCF Bannerette underscore SBN. Follow us there, UCF Bannerette underscore SBN. Also Facebook.com slash. Black and gold banneret. If you don't subscribe to our podcast, make sure you do on either Android or Apple devices. If you do subscribe to our podcast, we appreciate you very much. Make sure you leave us a rating, comment, and let us know how we are doing. That'll do it for us here on the Black and Gold Banneret for Eric Lopez, Bryson Turner, Kyle Nash, Andrew glukov I'm Jeff Sharon saying thank you for listening. This has been. Black Gold Banneret Podcast. Enjoy the weekend. We will catch you next week.